When I was a, a teenager, my teenage years, I spent a lot of time playing in bands. That's right, I was cool. And one of my favorite things, my favorite things about playing in bands was the moment immediately after you had played a great gig. You know, one of the gigs where you're on stage and you just know that things are going right, which for a lot of the early bands I was in meant like hitting roughly 70% of the right notes and not playing too badly out of time. But there were those gigs that, that, that everything sort of just clicked. You know, you had prepared, the sound engineer was on form. There were more than six people in the venue and they were singing along and there was a vibe and it was amazing. There was an atmosphere, excitement. Yes, yes, yes. And you knew after this set that a wave, at least I did, a wave of affirmation and, and minor celebrity and all the rest of it was just waiting to hit you when you went down into the crowd. It's this moment that I loved. And so I'd go down and I'd pick a spot in the room and if you're anything like me, which hopefully you weren't, you know, I'd, 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 uh, I'd, I'd sort of pretend to like maybe pack something up so I didn't look too needy. And people would kind of come over to me and treat me like I was a little bit famous. Oh my gosh, that was so Good. You guys are amazing. You should be playing Glastonbury. That song where that thing happened was great. And then I would like deliberately try to act a little bit sheepish and sort of underplay it. And like, oh, wow, that's so kind. And, you know, that, oh, that song, oh, we, we wrote that last week. We only practiced it like once, so uh, it's, it's whatever. Uh, by the way, do you want to buy a t-shirt so that we can get home later on? <laughs> Some laughter in the room. Hilarity. Some people in the room have been in bands just like that, I think. As we um, continue in the Gospel of Luke today, we see Jesus emerging from a truly, not an actually life-changing performance. Not a song performed with guitars or drum sets, but a miracle performed with the authority and the power of God. As we saw last week, Jesus had freed a man with an impure spirit. And unsurprisingly, everyone that was around him and saw this was amazed. And Jesus' fame continues to spread. We see uh, the passage just before this, that reports about Jesus went out to every place, every place in the surrounding region. You know, this was a proper post-performance moment. And yet, unlike me, at those gigs as a teenager, Jesus wasn't standing by the door of the synagogue waiting to just desperately to lap up the affirmation and the compliments to cement his kind of increasing celebrity, wanting to squeeze all the hype and excitement out of the moment. Jesus doesn't do that at all because he's fixated. He's fixated on, he's, he's driven by something so much greater and so much bigger than ego. He's fixed on serving his father. Jesus is fixated on doing the will of his Father in heaven. And he's totally secure, knowing that he is God's beloved, that he's God's Messiah, that, that the Spirit of God is upon him, that to call you and me, to call all of creation home to God. And so Jesus, focused as he was on serving his Father, leaves the visibility and excitement of the synagogue and enters the privacy and familiarity of a house. Simon Peter's house. Honestly, this challenges me so much. In a, in, a, in a culture that is fixated on status and celebrity, on being seen and noticed, on, on being validated by what we do or the amount of followers we have or the influence we might have on Instagram. In the face of a celebrity moment like this, Jesus turns away to be a servant. 
You might put it like this. In a world convinced that authority is about status, Jesus shows us that true authority is about service. And if we want to carry Jesus' authority, which we've been looking at over the, the past couple of weeks as we'll continue to look at next week, if we want to carry this authority as Jesus follows, we need to become like him. This needs to be our, our disposition, that our greatest pleasure is to do the will of our Father in heaven. That what drives us, what animates us every day is to serve God and to serve people. This has to be our driving force. This has to be our true north. If we want the authority of Jesus, as Joe said earlier, we have to become like him. And so in serving God's will, Jesus finds himself in our passage today at Peter's house. And we read that Peter, Simon Peter, I think, in, in the NIV, we read that his mother-in-law has a high fever, a sickness that was worrying to all of those that were present, and they were asking Jesus to heal her. And so in a moment, just like you expect with Jesus at this point, you, know, you almost don't want to get used to it, but you kind of expect that when Jesus turns up, something amazing is going to happen. But of course, Jesus touches her and in a moment heals her. But what I want to really look at today is um, what happens next. Because what happens next is also remarkable. We read that, that Peter's mother-in-law, after being touched by Jesus, after being healed of her fever, immediately rose and began to serve them. Immediately, straight away, Luke makes a point of saying, straight after this happened, immediately she began to serve Jesus and those in the house. You know, I, even after a miraculous healing, I would expect there to be a couple of moments to sort of just chill in bed and kind of try and take in what had happened. Maybe send your son-in-law, Simon, to get you a cup of tea or, or maybe journal a bit about it. Try and wrap your head around what had just happened. But the immediate response that she has to the life that God gives her is to serve. Let me say that again. Her immediate response to the life God's give her, God gives her is to serve. You know, it was like, it was like, a, it's like an instinct, right? It's like she knew that no other response would be appropriate. The word serve here in the Greek means to, to, to serve literally as in, as, as in to wait upon but also to minister to. It's like her instinct was to minister to Jesus after meeting with him. She couldn't do anything else. This encounter with Jesus turns her outwards. She's freed from any self-obsession, any sense of this moment being about her, that she would hoard it, that it was just for her benefit. And she has turned outwards in service to others. She becomes like Jesus. That's what happens. She is touched like Jesus and she becomes like Jesus. Because Jesus, as we've already said, is the king who came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus, who washes the feet of his disciples, who takes on the form of a servant for our sake, and who serves us even to the point of death that we would have a life in all its fullness. When Jesus touches her, she becomes like him. And this is what, what, what Jesus offers for each and every one of us. It makes me think of two stories in particular to illustrate that. The first is of a friend of mine who's a barber in Nottingham. And I first met this guy when I was with a member of our congregation. And we went into his barber shop as part of prayer on the streets to see if he wanted prayer uh, for anything. It, it became clear very quickly uh, that he knew Jesus. And he really began to just disciple us and just tell us about Jesus and teach us about his goodness. 
But he shared with us his story. And um, the, the country that he grew up in, he was a very well-known kickboxer. And he, he was super involved in that whole culture. And there was a lot of money invested in the fights that he was doing. During this time, he encountered Jesus and he felt Jesus say to him very clearly that he wanted him to use his fists not to harm, but to serve. And so, obviously, when Jesus says something that clearly in your life, you retrain as a barber and move your whole family to Nottingham. And that's exactly what he did, loving Jesus, now serving the city with his hands. The second story that comes to mind is the story of Maximilian Colby. The Anglican Church, um, just this past Friday, remembered the life of Maximilian. And maybe if you've attended Alpha or you've led on Alpha or you've had anything to do with Alpha, you've heard this story before. Maximilian Kolbe was a Polish priest and friar who pioneered um, amazing things in his life, not least uh, publication and Christian zines and, um, and Christian broadcasting. But he's most remembered for an incident that occurred after the, breakout, after the outbreak of the Second World War in 1939. Colby was sent to Auschwitz concentration camp. And one morning, to punish a failed escape attempt in the camp, the Nazis chose 10 men at random to die in a starvation bunker. One of the men selected to die was Francis Guy Niefczek. And when he was selected, he cried out, Oh, my poor wife and children. They'll never see me again. And at that point, Colby stepped out and said, Look, I'm a Catholic priest. I don't have a wife and children. He said, I want to offer to die instead of this man. And to everyone's amazement, his offer was accepted. And apparently during his time in the starvation bunker, Colby got everyone praying and singing hymns and completely transformed the atmosphere in that place. Eventually, Colby was um, uh, put to death by lethal injection in August 1941. These clearly are two different stories. But at the core of them is the same event. Both men have been touched by Jesus. And their response was to become like him, to live a life outwards, to serve God and to serve others, even to the point of death. For Peter's mother-in-law, it looks simply for her like serving those in front of her. Serving those in her immediate vicinity. You know, when I, when I hear about these stories, I find myself <laughs> inspired and challenged. But the truth is that we simply need to meet with God to live this way. You know, when it, when it comes to service, by the way, none of us are neutral. You know, maybe you're watching this and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or you're joining because a friend's been nagging you for the last couple of months. You know, it, when it comes to service, none of us are neutral. All of us serve something. All of us serve a vision of life that we think will ultimately fulfill us. You know, you know many of us will serve, serve money or position. Maybe we serve pleasure or security or family. The difference is, and, and the claim of the Gospels, is it's only in serving God. It's only in serving God and extending his love out to those around us that we find life in all its fullness, that we find the life that we're longing for. You know, Peter doesn't um, heal, uh, sorry, Jesus doesn't heal Simon Peter's mother-in-law because of her CV. You know, we don't hear that she's the most religious or the most holy or the most charitable, but it's just his desire to meet with her. 
It's his desire to touch her, to bring healing to her, to transform her life. You know, and I, um, I'm watching that Francis Chan interview, I cannot tell you how many times this week I've had that on repeat, just being inspired over and over again. But it's so easy for me to, 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 leave, to leave something like that and feel like I have to conjure this passion up. Like somehow I've got to engineer um, being more excited about God. But the gospel tells us very, very clearly that it's only in meeting with Jesus. It's only encountering God. It's only by being filled with his spirit, by his pure grace, that we can live a life for him. We can't conjure this up. You know, for me at the moment, you know, I look at, I look at what it means to serve. I look at what it, what it might mean for me to really prefer others to myself, to really outdo others in showing honour, to really celebrate other people's stuff, even if they're succeeding when I'm failing. And my only response is this, that I have to pray every single morning, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I do not have a chance of following your will. I do not have a chance of serving your people unless I'm filled with you. Jesus, I need a living encounter with you every moment. I give my heart to you again today. I need you. Only by becoming like you can I live the life that you call me to live. And so, no points for guessing this. The response is always the same. Here at Trinity, come Holy Spirit. We need to meet with Jesus. It's it's, it's when Simon Peter's mother meets with Jesus. It's when she is touched by Jesus that she's able to live a life outside of herself, that she's able to live a life fixated on God's will, fixated on serving him and others. Why don't we pray?